Wow, you want to talk about, we've been doing spiritual disciplines. <laughs> now you bring up simplicity. It feels judgy. I, are you oh. judging me? <laughs> well, the shoe fits. <laughs> uh, wow. You know what we're about to do? We're about to get real. We're about to have conversations that Christians have behind closed doors. The ones that make you feel uncomfortable, that's where we're going. Why? Because we're family. Ustedes son mi familia. So this is the Brian and Janelle podcast. She's Janelle. I'm Brian. And if you don't want to miss anything, just hit that subscribe button. This is the Brian and Janelle podcast. Joining us live now, our dear friend, Nancy Kane. She's program director of the Caritas Center for Christian Formation. She's a licensed clinical professional counselor and a dear friend of ours. Thanks for coming back on the show, Nancy. It's always a treat. Wow, you want to talk about, we've been doing spiritual disciplines. (laughs) Now you bring up simplicity. I didn't even know simplicity was a spiritual discipline. Where where do you even get that? Um, Well, the spiritual disciplines are, you know, were formed over the the history of the church. And so this one goes to more of an external discipline of of lifestyle. And the... um, Back in the monastic tradition in the early third centuries is when we see that discipline really emerge where um, the whole notion was that often our material possessions produce so much anxiety for us that it keeps us from finding real contentment in uh, Christ. And so the spiritual discipline of um, simplicity is the goal is to, to learn how to be content in whatever I, the Lord has provided versus seeking external things to try to find contentment. Is there a difference, though, between like self-denial and and simplicity? As in, am I supposed to get rid of all my things or just be happy with what I have? Self-denial would be more of, I'm not going to allow myself this so that, you know, I don't eat more sugar or whatever it might be. Simplicity is, is looking at your life and, and asking, where is the clutter? Where is it in my life that um, either physically or even emotionally, um, mentally, that preoccupies me and really keeps me from resting and abiding with um, increasing contentment with Christ? So you're looking at perhaps for some people, I know um, when I have people in the cohort in the second year, we practice this discipline together. And um, some people go off Facebook or social media for a period of time because they found that that um, arena was really preoccupying them. That one gal in particular talked about that she realized when she put that in practice that she was actually spending about four hours a night in um, either surfing, you know, um, scanning the internet or social media and how it was, it was wasted time for her. I'm assuming schedules and activities is part of simplicity, right? Yes. Because I think most of us live lives, I would joke with the students, I said, if I started the semester and said, and you asked me how I was, and I said, you know, I'm, I'm just bored. I just don't have much to do, and, and frankly, I'm just, I'm just bored. You would look at me with probably some level of judgment, and the students start <laughs> laughing, and I said, because in our American culture, we say, if you're busy, you are mm. successful. Mm-hmm. You are, you've got it going, versus... I think we've lost the whole notion of what it means to live a quiet, pleasing life to the Lord that's not filled with this mad rush for, I've got to get this done. I've got, I've got to run to this meeting. I've got to take this call. I've got to 
get all this done by 9 o'clock tonight, and all the while trying to fit Christ into that. Let's say if you're a single mom or you're a mom of a bunch of kids or you have two jobs, I like that you brought up the idea of a quiet life. And then we're talking about simplicity. But how can you pursue simplicity if there's straight up a lot of things to do in your life? Like, how do you apply that in your life? Well, I think it's looking at to see what's necessary Mm -hmm. and needful and um, what's not. And I think there's a lot of things that we do that may not necessarily be needful. Um, There was a period of time when my kids were small that I was um, doing everything organic and nothing wrong wrong with that. But I found the time it was taking me to uh, search out the food, search out the recipes, find something that was working for my family was just it was it was more time. It was time that I didn't need necessarily to put into versus just having a well-balanced meal and everybody being happy with what they're eating. So I think I mean, that's a small example. I think. Mm -hmm. For a lot of people, it's um, the material possessions. How many toys is enough toys for your kids? Mm -hmm. How many outfits in your closet is enough outfits? Another person that I I work with um, decided that she would uh, look at her clothes, and she, it was a student movie, and she prided herself in always buying resale shop clothes, so she never bought anything that was more than $5, and thought, well, you know, this is, I'm doing pretty good because I'm basically recycling other people's clothes and I'm not spending a lot of money. And she, when she went through her closet, she ended up having three trash bags full of clothes that she sent back to Salvation Army because she realized that she didn't need four white tops. She didn't need 10 pairs of jeans. It was clutter that was preoccupying her. Nancy, I'm, as we talk about the spiritual discipline of simplicity... You know, Ron and I are both guys who individually, we prefer to just stay home. Mm -hmm. Does that make us more Mm -hmm. spiritual than everyone else then? (laughs) Oh, absolutely. Yes. Oh, yeah. I knew it. (laughs) (laughs) No, I I think that the key is to ask yourself what what preoccupies you. When you feel anxious, what do you do? Where do you, where does your money go? For most of us, this issue of simplicity is really shown in what we buy, and it, and generally what we buy is some level of soothing our anxiety. Hmm. And so it's going to letting go of the things that possess us so that we can be free to be more fully possessed by Christ. You used an example of somebody in your cohort that got rid of Facebook in the second mm-hmm. year. How do you discover what it is that possesses you? Examine your time commitments. And examine where you, like a, a given day, where do you put your time? And also, what, what, when you get stressed, where do you go? And so for some people, when they get stressed, they go to social media and they start scanning and scanning and, and seeing who's post. And, and suddenly it's an hour and a half, suddenly it's two hours. But the question is, is does that bring you closer to Christ? Do you feel more peace in your soul? Are you a better person with your family or the people that you're close to. Um, so looking at what, where you go when you're anxious is really one of the, the key marks. A lot of, for a lot of people, it's, it's shopping. It's establishing another project. Uh, again, not, in itself, there's nothing wrong with shopping. In itself, there's nothing wrong with establishing another project. It's a matter of, is it filling a space that Christ himself wants to fill? 
Yeah, and see, I, I I wonder if this is a crossover in your areas of expertise now as well, because you've you've alluded to the idea that people are afraid of the anxiety, so they run to something else. Can mm-hmm. you can you talk more in detail about that? I mean, talk to the person who's like, listen, I had great parents, lived, I, I'm middle class, things are great. What do you mean I'm filling my life with things because of I'm scared or anxious? Well, and, and we, as we, as you're right, it's a crossover because the question then becomes. Are you comfortable with spending a day alone with Christ? And I can't tell you over the years how many times I've had people contact me and say, um, you know, I like your idea of solitude. I think I'm going to try it, but I'm terrified. And I think for me, it tells me that they're, they've lived their life up until that point with a sense of Christ and, you know, yes, I love Christ and I love fill in the blank. I love shopping. I love Filling my time with lots of meetings. I love whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. For many people, it's an equal measure. It's, yes, I love Christ, and please don't take these other things out of my life. And I think that Christ is very serious about, come, follow me, um, unless the seed falls into the ground and dies, it does not bear much food. There's notion of following Christ um, we have to take seriously, that it's he will not suffer idols in our lives. And for for many of us, the things that preoccupy us are really idle. And what's a first step to take in terms of pursuing simplicity? I know you said there's the discovering what it is that possesses you. So besides mm-hmm. just removing it, how do you then put Jesus in that void in a practical way? Well, I think that so I'll use myself as an example. So these last, it seems like once a year I go through and just look at my life and say, so where's the clutter? Mm-hmm. And so... This year, I think I started back in the fall, I looked at, because of the nature of the work that I do, um, I read a lot of books, but I thought, is this really necessary for me to keep these books? Like, why am I keeping them? Am I thinking that at some point I'm going to reference one page in the book? Or, And so I went through and, and um, sold some and, and gave a lot of them away to the team that I work with and was amazed at how much I didn't need. And... Lately, that I've gone through my own closet, and there's clothes that I've kept that I'm going to get to another size. But and I'm like, you know what? That's just denial, Nancy. You, you just you got to give that one up. Like, let go of the clothes and live into who you are now and and what you need. In the Benedictine tradition, the rule of thumb is whatever you have a duplicate of was meant was meant for someone else. Hmm. Meaning, the Lord gave it to you so that you could give it to someone else. And I think that that's just a beautiful principle to live by. Yeah. So if someone tries to, to do that kind of simplicity in their life by, by getting rid of something they, you know, they, they have too much of or love or whatever, at what point would they know that the fear is so strong they ought to get counseling to help? I think when, it, when you start giving it away and you find the anxiety is just overwhelming and you can't figure out what the anxiety is. I know someone whose husband is um, a hoarder and he, he has a full basement of technology and when his wife has asked him to let go of some of it, he's beyond himself in terms of anxiety. But there's something in that possessing of the possession that feels a need for him that he's not in touch with. I think to ask that question is when I'm aware that I'm beyond myself and stressed out, that's the time to get some help and have someone sit with you and, and unpack what are the deeper issues going on. Yeah, and you know, whenever I've seen that, that show Hoarders, I don't know if you've ever watched it, but it's always fascinating to see that really at the end of the day, the hoarding 
is a response to trauma in some yeah. way and, and pain, right? Right, because it's a material symbol for what's not happening in the soul. It's, it's in some ways, it's like a small child with a security blanket. Like as, as long as they have the blanket they're carrying around, they feel some sense of comfort. The same is true that we can do with material possessions. As long as I have everything in place, I'm okay. But what we know is that that's an illusion that God gives and God takes away and that it's keeping an open hand with everything that we have. And anything that we've been given is to be, because God has given it to us. And um, as the scriptures say, freely we've been given, freely we give. So, so then to some extent, the person who uh, runs to Facebook f- with anxiety or shops or whatever is ultimately suffering from the same thing the person on the TV show Hoarders is doing, right? Yeah, I think, I think that's a really good point at some level. I think that I think we, we um, categorize or we grade levels of dysfunction and say, well, I'm not a hoarder. Um, <laughs> that's right. Because that, you know, for somehow that seems like it carries more shame. But I think, it, it, to be honest, I think we have to say, where where do we get preoccupied? Where do I fill my time? Uh, another person I know, she's a brilliant, brilliant person. And she, it was, we were talking about simplicity. She said, I spend from 10 o'clock until 2 in the morning. Words. It's uh, Oh, yeah. It's, like words with friends and, or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And she said, I know that that just does nothing for me. It it fills my time, but she said, I do it almost every night. And she gets relaxed because she's not thinking about, she has children, she's not thinking about all the responsibilities of the day, but it's not leading her to anything that substantive towards her soul or towards a deeper relationship with Christ. Now, yeah. but before we leave the topic of, of the spiritual discipline of simplicity, I think we have to address one of the major things is, I, I remember for decades almost, the message in in American evangelicalism was, do big things for God. Mm-hmm. To what extent does that work against simplicity? Well, I think it goes to the attitude of the heart. I think that big things, what does that mean and who are you really doing it for? I think that I've heard enough sermons over the years at, at Moody well-meaning pastors coming in and, and telling the students, don't settle for anything small. But I think that our ego can so easily get engaged yeah. with the spiritual life. And so we mask it with, it's for God, <laughs> and therefore it makes it okay. And we use him for, our, we use Christ then for our own gain. But Nancy, wouldn't Jesus be happier with me if I was a missionary in sub-Saharan Africa as opposed to a someone in finance in America? I think that that's against the, the whole teaching of Scripture. Jesus and Jesus' life himself, he, if that was, if there was a special designation Jesus would have shown us to it us that what he showed us is a quiet peaceful life that even when the crowd sought to make him king he went away and moved into solitude and it was a, it was a movement towards greater and greater anonymity of that Christ would be um, that God his father and he himself would be glorified but not in the way that he himself on a human level would be glorified as John the Baptist said, that he would become greater and, and John the Baptist would become less. And I think we're not to quantify and say, this is, if you stay at home with your children, that's great. If you, do, if you work, no, 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 that's better. Mm-hmm. If you go to Portugal as a missionary, now that's more spiritual versus staying and working a job in um, a company, well, that's less spiritual. That's man's thinking. Mm-hmm. 
ours is to be obedient to God's call in our life and listening to His voice and doing what He has called us to do. It's hard to sell books with the theme, Be Anonymous, though. Yeah, for real. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. You sell more books yeah, telling well, people well, to go do big things. Yeah, the life you've always wanted to live, Be Anonymous. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, but you know what? I, as we're almost out of time here, there, there is something I think in our souls we know is appealing about that. Because you can rest in the idea that Christ is enough and has done enough. Right? I mean, yes. that's, and that, that's where contentment lies. Well, as long as I'm making that emotional connection to him, if it's just an intellectual thing, it's going to be momentary. But as long as I'm making a connection to him, that's a litmus test. Am I really seeing him in my activities? And in, from that place, then, moving to, moving to greater humility, moving to greater anonymity, moving to serving in my life being a um, broken bread and poured out wine. That's really what we're looking at here. Mm-hmm. Well, this is why we love having Nancy Kane with us. Again, she's a licensed clinical professional counselor and program director for the, for the Caritas Center for Christian Formation. That's the kind of stuff you get over a two-year training program. Again, the Caritas Center for Christian Formation, that's where you go for that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Nancy, how can folks get connected? They can go to our website, uh, thecaritascenter.com, and click on there's information there as well as they can click on um, contact if they have more uh, interest in contacting us. Well, thank you for drawing us closer to Jesus, my friend. We always love spending time with you. It's always an honor for me. Thank you. Hey, hold up. Where are you going? You know you liked your time with us. You want more. So go ahead. Look down. Hit that button right there and subscribe. And you'll get updated episodes. And then you can hang some more. And guess what? You can help us out. How? A five-star rating. Hello. You can also hang with us live weekday mornings from 6 to 9 a.m. Eastern Time. Download the Moody Radio mobile app and you're able to connect with us. Or just go to brianandjanelle.org. And listen, we didn't put all this together all by ourselves. There's some great people behind this production. We want to thank Ron Eastwood, Kelly Ryder, Paul Carter, Mike Reynolds, Alan Perry, and our awesome and fearless leader, Josue Villa. And finally, this podcast is a production of Moody Radio in Cleveland, a ministry of Moody Bible Institute. 